You're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. We're in the midst of our Victory Tuesday, and I hope that you are well after last night's Monday night football win against the Seahawks. Now, it is a short week, which means that we have no time to waste. And even though it's been less than 24 hours since last night's game kicked off, we're already beginning our next game week. Of course, week three is against the Arizona Cardinals, which means it's time to go ahead and meet the Cardinals. This is your host, Little Wit, and I'm joined by my fellow Bears brother, Brandon Hazlett, and the two of us are pleased to be accompanied by Jess Root, who he is the host of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, and he's going to be sharing his firsthand insight on the Bears' Week 3 opponent. Jess, I want you to, you know, I just want to thank you for taking the time to join us today. I know you have a very busy schedule like we were talking about right before we went live, but uh, on behalf of uh, me and Brandon, I just want to say thank you for uh, taking the time. We're glad to have you on. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. It's a pleasure to be able to to talk Cardinals football, even though right now is kind of not much good to talk about when it comes to Cardinals football. Not a bad thing for our listeners. Probably not a good thing for your audience base, but uh, let's go ahead and just kind of dive right in. We're going to rip it off like a Band-Aid for you tonight, Jess. Uh, so my first question for you, it's about David Johnson because he got that extension, um, but he's still really kind of struggled to get things going. His season high is only 48 yards throughout two weeks, and that came on 13 carries, all of which was just a couple of days ago. So I want to know, like, why haven't the Cardinals been able to establish a run, and how has that inability to do so really affected the rest of the offense? Well, the fact is they've been unable to establish anything offensively. Uh, They've managed to score one touchdown, a total of six points in in two games. And, you know, when they started, they've started the games with David Johnson running the football, and they've been doing okay at it. But... They just haven't been able to sustain anything offensively. They had, I think it was two first downs in the first half of each of the first two ball games. And, you know, then the second quarter comes around and they just get into a hole defensively. They gave up 21 for second quarter points against Washington. They gave up 19 second quarter points against um, against the Rams. And so they're, they're just not doing anything. They've yet to score any points in the first half at all. And then, you know, they've been able to, they, they try running the ball a little bit, but there's just nothing exciting. There's nothing creative. The kind of the thing we were told with, with Mike McCoy is that there's going to be, it's going to be creative. It's going to be flexible and everything has been very bland inside zone runs. They're doing okay. Dump offs here and there, but it's, I mean, the Cardinals' offense has just been atrocious so far. Sam Bradford has 243 combined passing yards in two weeks. Uh, he he had what 17 completions on Sunday for 90 yards. No touchdown passes, two picks, and you know you guys you guys would be very familiar with with what happened with Mike Glennon last year. He, he was you know he was kind of the laughing stock of the league. Mm-hmm. He got he got signed to that big contract. And they they traded up to get. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky and four games in he's on the bench 
two games in so far. So Bradford's kind of in the same situation. In fact, we even have Glennon, um, a guy that Glennon, <laughs> Glennon's a guy that, that's been connected to the Cardinals for years for some reason. They, they, he's talked about liking him coming out of the draft. Um, two off seasons ago when you guys signed him, it was had Carson Palmer not retired. There's was, there was a couple reports here locally said that Glennon would have been the guy that they would have targeted if Palmer had not reti- had not come back for that final season. That being said, um, I was looking back at what Glennon did those first four weeks before he got benched. That as bad as that was, as people said, it's horrible. It, it's so much better than what Bradford does. Bradford's averaging four yards per attempt. He's completed, you know, he's completed about 60% of his passes, 243 yards total, two picks, and it's just dump off after dump off. It can't, they, week one, he was inaccurate. Week two, it was just, there's no separate. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. There's no time to throw or he's not patient enough to wait for any routes to develop. And so without anything offensively, David Johnson's kind of been stuck in, you know, Every, every sort of plan that we've heard is that David Johnson is going to be the bell cow with this offense. He had nine carries in week one, 13 carries in week two, mm-hmm. or 12 carries in, in week two. And that's, you know, we anticipated him getting upward to 20 carries. You know, in today's NFL, you don't really get more than 18, 19 carries. But then another five to 10 targets in the passing game. And he just hasn't had any of that happen. So you already touched on Sam Bradford a little bit. How would you assess his play? And like, cause you kind of talked about how he struggles a little bit. How close are you uh, to seeing Josh Rosen as your quarterback? That's the big question is, is while everyone, he, everyone seems to be about ready. Um, Wilkes is Steve Wilkes is pretty firm right now. It was like, well, it doesn't make sense right now. It's not just the quarterback. Said if it was just the quarterback position, then I'd make the move, but there's too many other moving parts. The offensive line is protecting the receivers. Aren't getting, that the play calling is this and that the defense is playing for. So what they're seeing is, and, and I, I, part of it is just the growing pains of having a new offensive and new defensive system is it seems like everything, every problem that they're having is that there's one or two guys who are making mistakes consistent. Well, and it's, there's one or two guys making mistakes, but there's different guys and different mistakes with different plays. And so mm. everything is falling apart. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> Just the tone of your voice seems like things are going amiss there in Arizona. Uh, but regardless who lines up under center, which everything that I've seen, it doesn't seem like they're going to make a change this week. If you know, one, I mean, it seems inevitable over there for you guys, but nothing so far this week, but regardless, whoever it is, uh, they're going to have, uh, I want to kind of look at who he has to work with in terms of targets. You know, you have Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, he leads the teams in uh, targets, receptions. Um, really appears to be the f- guy to focus on for Chicago. Uh, and he's the only target, either running back, tight end, or a wide receiver to have a catch of 20-plus for the entire Arizona Cardinals. But either it be a wide receiver or tight end. I want to know, like, which players have uh, surprised you, disappointed you, and perhaps a bit of both? Well, aside from Fitz, really everyone has been – 
overall disappointment. Um, you look at the you look at the stats across the board. I mean, the passing game's just been bad. Um, David Johnson just hasn't gotten enough. The Chase Edmonds, the backup, he's their fourth round pick rookie. He's shown a little something, but he's only meant to be their backup. Um, now, from the receiving core, Chad Williams, there, who's on the depth chart as their number two receiver, has yet to catch a pass. Um, that's disappointing. But it is, as some people say, is he runs routes that are further than five yards down the field, so which makes him hard to get a pass thrown his direction when everything is an underneath or a dump off, which has really been the prevailing theme for, for the Cardinals thus far, a very boring pass attempt. Uh, Christian Kirk, second round pick. Um, we believe that uh, most people believe he probably wouldn't be as involved in the offense this early. He's got five catches in two games, one catch that looked like, Oh, it was a screen pass. He almost busted open for a big game, a big gain. And there's some promise there. Ricky Seals Jones at tight end. Um, nothing there really yet, but the potential is there. He's a former receiver out of Texas A&M, former five-star recruit going into Texas A&M. Didn't really have the career in college that 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 they expected, but he converted to tight end last year. Had a some had some flash flashed a little bit last year in about three games. Had three touchdowns, eleven catches in three games last year, and they think they think he's got some big potential to be able to be a solid player. He's got a few catches so far, but nothing impactful. But thus, thus again, the, the, there's been no impact at all in the passing game except for a couple of plays to fit. And other than that, I mean, that Jermaine Gresham could come back this week, and that'll bring a boost both to the running game because of his blocking and his intensity. And, and the fact is he's he, as, as much promise as Seals Jones offers, Gresham is the best tight end on the roster. Um, but... You know, it, there's nothing nothing so far that, that you get excited about. It's, it's, if you look at coming into this season, there was the belief that – now, Chad Williams, the third-round guy they brought in last year, um, has some size, has some physicality, has some speed. So there's definitely some potential there. He just he hasn't been able to – I'm trying to think of all the targets. He's, I think he's had six targets in two games. None of them were really catchable. With, I mean – and there was no play to really be made. So, you know, everything is about, well, what could be, especially coming again uh, uh, in week three, is what should be. And Williams should be more of a, a factor. And But going into the season, everything more than everything else is everyone probably figured that Fitch is your number one, David Johnson's your number two, and then as long as you get a third guy having a big game doesn't matter who it is one guy one week one guy another week but the Cardinals would be okay offensively what about uh you know you've mentioned this a few times uh the inability to really push the ball downfield like you said last week actually for the season is it only averaging four yards per pass which I'm sure as watching as a fan it's very frustrating we've here in Chicago we've seen some very anemic offenses like that in the past I want to know, do you have an idea of like what's the culprit behind it? Is it the offensive line? Is it the scheme? Is it Bradford? Is it a mix of is it a receivers not getting open? Is it a combination of you know like the perfect storm of all of it going astray? Like what's what's your diagnosis? <laughs> yes, 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 and yes. Um, <laughs> Easy. <laughs> the offensive line, you know, they haven't given up. I think they've been sacked twice in two games. I think that's all that are, that that it's that it's been. But 
he doesn't have a lot of time. And, and that's one of the things that Steve Wilkes has said is that the offensive line has to give him more time at the same time. Bradford isn't being patient enough to wait for something to develop down the field. So there's he what they're seeing on film is that there's plays that could be made, but he's getting rid of the ball a little too quickly on the dump off rather than waiting another half second and pushing the ball down the field. That said, the receivers also aren't getting open and there's not, you know, there's not enough push in the running game. And so it's really kind of really everything. There's there's misprotections. And it's really bad right now. It's really bad to start, especially with the Rams playing as the way they are. And now, finally, people thought this Cardinals team was going to be atrocious anyway. Ever, pretty much outside of Arizona, the belief was atrocious, terrible Cardinals competing for the number one pick. No one here thought they would be that bad. Everyone here believed that they could be, and I, I predicted they're a 6-10 to ten win, win team assuming everything goes well. And I figured them pegged them at about seven wins, but there's nothing that we've seen so far that gives us any sort of inkling that we were even close to the truth. That said scheme, I'm sure is part of it because it's new and a new offense and a new defense. And as, as we see with, with other there's growing pains. So if you have one guy making them missing an assignment or making a mental error, blowing a read, that will mess things up for everyone. And I think that's happening consistently, but with different people. So David Johnson might not pick up a blitz or the receiver makes a, the wrong route or Bradford doesn't, doesn't make, doesn't hold onto the ball long enough. The offensive line gives up a pressure here or there. So it's really, it's everything, which is makes it hard to pinpoint. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yes, yeah, so you touched on the offensive line a little bit. I want to circle back to that because, uh, like you said, they only they've only given up three sacks on the year, and you know, kind of at a first glance, if you don't look too deep into it, you're like, wow, their offensive line's like stout. But then you know, you look a little deeper, and they've given up 31 total pressures so far this season. And by Pro Football Focus's grade, they've got like one of the worst blocking grades, you know, as a unit. And if my math serves me right, looking at the roster as a whole, there's 39 years of combined experience on the offensive line. So like. Is the problem age? Like, is there one guy that's given up a whole lot of pressure causes the rest of the unit to be weak? I mean, what, what's going on here? Well, the way the, the line was constructed, it was meant to be a run first, a very stout run-blocking line. DJ Humphreys at left tackle. Mike Potty, you know, he's healthy again. He's been known for a decade as one of the best run-blocking guards in all of football. Justin Pugh, he, he's, a, he's pretty solid. And Andre Smith at right tackle, again, also very solid in the running game. There were, there were questions about pass protection and on, along the line. Their center is a rookie, um, A.Q. Shipley, their, their starter. He was lost for the season with a torn ACL. He's kind of been the bright spot so far, uh, consistent. D.J. Humphreys has played well. Um, but, again, the inability to, to to establish the run consistently has really hurt them in pass protection because this was never going to be a great pass protecting line. It was going to be a great run blocking line that would be able to be adequate in, in against against the pass rush. And if you are run blocking more often or if you're run blocking effectively, then you don't have to pass as much and you got play action. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. 
For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Which helps you protect. So it's just been, you know, um, like I said, it's kind of been a thing. It's been a mess. It's been a mess. No, I think that can summarize everything that you've said so far. I actually had a question about third down, 24, 20. Uh, dead last in time of possession, only averaging 23 and uh, 52 seconds per game. Um, I'm sure many struggles. Uh, I was going to ask you to boil it down, but is there anything different that's resulting in the third down struggles? Is it more the same of what you already mentioned? It, it's everything that's, I, that's I figured. That's it's all of that put together because they're 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 getting stuck in third and long a lot of times, or third and short. And you know, Sam Bradford. There's been several times where oh, it's third and five. Let's throw a four-yard pass and get tackled before the sticks. Um, yep. So yeah, and, and it's and there's not getting any rhythm. I mean, the the rhythm isn't there. They run the fewest offensive plays of anyone in all football. I think they've got like 93, 94 offensive plays. It's something atrocious. <laughs> and it's they they ran they ran fourteen plays in the first half of the first game, and one of them was a kneel down. And I think they ran like eighteen in the first half of the game against the Rams. So they are just, they're having offensive struggles, and then the defense just isn't getting off the field because the third down woes are on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. It's it's on offense, they're not able to extend drives, and on defense, they're not getting off the field. Yeah, and I mean, this actually sounds very familiar from you know the offense that we've seen here in Chicago over the last few years where, you know, we've had Jordan Howard, but still uh, the ability to consistently establish a run has been an issue in the past. Uh, not being able to establish many drives, not really being able to convert on third downs. And like you said, it affects the defense because they're on the field much longer. And if they struggle on third down too, it's a, it's a recipe for disaster. And I think that's what you're kind of uh, noticing here after the first couple weeks. So for you, Jess, the next handful of questions are going to be about that defense that you've already mentioned. Uh, but real quick before we get to those, I want to let our listeners know that Brandon and Nick uh, they're planning on doing another audio mailbag recording that tomorrow on Wednesday. And if you want to get your voice heard on our podcast, make sure to leave us a voicemail with your question. And the number to do so is 872-240-4007. And again, 872-240-4007. I know Brandon and Nick, uh, they love, of course, answering your questions, taking the time to do that. Gives me a night off on the podcast as well, which is always I love doing the podcast, but sometimes having a night off for the family, especially during game week, is it's a blessing. It really is. So definitely ask them questions. They'll 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 take care of it. And really add that number to your contact so we can just call anytime you want to leave a question. 872-240-4007. And let's go ahead and talk about that defense. And Brandon, uh, you are first up with the first question on the Arizona Cardinals defense. Yeah, so being only two weeks in, I'm sort of taking the the stat here that the Cardinals defense has given up the fourth most yards on defense, you know, with a grain of salt, especially coming after coming after a, a blowout loss, I guess I'll say. Uh, I guess that was the best way to say it nicely. I don't know. Uh, to the LA Rams on Sunday, you know, because they've got a high-octane offense. So that's a lot of yards that's kind of given up there. So that's why I'm taking it with a grain of salt. Uh, so between the, the pass rush, the secondary, and the run defense, what's been the biggest downfall to this Cardinals defense so far in the two games they played? <laughs> Well, um, week one, it was the run defense because they gave up over 180 yards to the Washington Redskins. And, and 
what really was disappointing is the fact that it, if, if you heard all see all off season, what Steve Wilkes was talking about, he said it all starts up front. So it was about running, establishing the run offense and stopping the run on defense. And they did neither one of those things in week one. Now week two, they stopped the run. Uh, they, they held Todd Gurley in check, but it wasn't consistent. They, they wore down. Now they ended up only giving up 90 yards on the ground, but then the passing, the passing game came into play in week one. The, they basically didn't touch the receivers. They didn't try anything against the Cardinals' corners. Alex, again, Alex Smith, another another guy that likes to to throw short, middle of the middle of the field type things. And so they nickel they they just nickel and dimed the, the Cardinals to death with the running backs and the tight ends. And they picked on the linebackers and their safeties, which was bad. Now their defensive scheme is something completely new. They run a lot more zone than they used to run a four three front. Um, but he, uh, something interesting is that they play exclusively nickel. Um, even in their base packages, they run nickel. So against two tight ends, they have uh, Buda Baker uh, drafted as a safety, who's who's their slot corner. He is essentially playing. Um, he's essentially playing weak side backer as well. And so they're not super stout in the run, um, but the if a lot of the problems what the coaching staff has said has been gap assignment and not trusting what everyone else around them is going to do. And so someone will get out of gap and then a, a game gets busted. Now the passing game was the issue this last week and whether it is um, Jamar Taylor, who, who was the culprit for a lot of the many, many of the yards given up to Brandon cooks, uh, I've always believed that their secondary would be good enough that they would be able to, to lock down most receivers and they would, they're, they'd be susceptible over the middle to the dump offs, to the slot receivers, to the tight ends, to the running backs. Um, they're still learning the scheme and, and they don't know it well enough. And so there's, I think what the culprit most mainly has been, has been blown assignments. Um, they've Sounds run like a man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they've run a man, they've they've run a man scheme defense for for years. So all the time that Bruce Arians was there, and and I think to some extent, while Ken Wisenhunt was there as well, they played a lot of man defense. But now this is a zone base. Now they do play some off. They do play some man with Patrick Peterson. It's smart to do, but the, a lot of them are much more zone coverage concepts and. There, I think there's mental errors out there. There's too many blown assignments that leaves people wide open. And that, and add to the fact that they're just not tackling well as well. So gap assignments, blown coverage, missed tackles. That leads to things falling apart. Because the first quarter, they've held teams scoreless in the first quarter so far this year. They're holding it together the first quarter. Then it then it just falls apart. You know, they, they place well enough early in the game, but the offense doesn't get any points, and eventually points, you know, field position comes into play, and then the floodgates open. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of already alluded to my next question, and it's about that three safeties pretty much. Because you said Baker's your slot corner, also playing weak side backer. Um, but like you said, drafted him as a safety. He's listed as a safety on that depth chart. Uh, so you had three safeties playing 100% of the snaps. You already kind of alluded to that. Um, but I want to know, like, what's your take on that? Why do you think they decided to go this route? Is it just uh, the fact of getting your best defenders on the field? And do you agree with it? Well, 
if I were building this scheme, I, I want to see more of Dayon Buchanan, and I want to see Hassan Reddick, their second-year player, uh, first-round pick a year ago at linebacker. Problem is, linebacker's been a problem. And so it's a matter of, now, Buda Baker, he was going to be on the field 100% of the time anyway. Um, he was going to start at, at safety, slide into the slot for nickel, and then bring in Trey Boston. Instead, he's actually, Baker's not playing any safety at all, technically, because he's playing backer, he's playing linebacker, and he's playing slot corner. I mean, these are defensive guys, and so obviously they feel they are going to give them the best ability to make plays. Boston has been so-so so far this year. Baker's been active. He hasn't been great in the slot in coverage yet, but Dan Buchanan looked completely lost in week one, and Hassan Reddick has seen his playing time diminish greatly. He was an every down backer in in training camp in the preseason and all the offseason work. So it was they had Reddick, they had Josh Bynes, and they had Dion Buchanan as the three linebackers. Bynes would come off the field in nickel packages, and you'd be left with a very young and a very athletic, speedy pair of linebackers in Buchanan and Reddick. That then, by the end of the preseason, became Bynes and Buchanan. So Reddick was coming off the field, and then they took Reddick completely out of out of the picture. Well, that's not true. In week one, it was Buda Baker playing the linebacker position, and then in nickel, in clear passing downs, Bynes would come out and Reddick would come in because he's he's got great athleticism. He can cover, um, but he's still. It's basically like a rookie year again because he was a defensive end in college. He was a he, hand of the dirt guy. He played safety in high school, converted to defensive line in college. Then when he was drafted, they believed he'd be a space linebacker. So he moved to inside linebacker in a 3-4 scheme early on. But then Marcus Golden was lost for the use. So they moved him to outside linebacker um, as the edge offside, outside. Like you're familiar with that. You guys run a 3-4. And so it was somewhere in between space and some, some between pass rushing. And now this year he's playing strong side backer in a 4-3 scheme. And he had no knowledge of any sort of linebacker schemes at all. Where to put his eyes. He was just all athleticism. And apparently the mental side has got to him. And he played three snaps on Sunday. The linebacker play was shifted around. So it, what became Bynes and Buchanan and then Reddick coming in for, for passing downs. Buchanan was benched. Gerald Hodges was brought into the game uh, to start. Josh Bine played basically every snap. And, and then Buchanan got some playing time late, and Reddick got a couple of snaps later on. So the, the, the move to this always nickel. Now, and if you look at traditionally, if we want to talk about it, Dan Buchanan, he was originally a safety as well. He was, they drafted him as a safety converted into it a linebacker so if you want to go technically if both Buchanan's on the field they're going with six defensive backs all the time Buchanan's a little bit bigger he's still undersized at 215 but it's basically because of linebacker play and so it's getting Trey Boston who's a proven veteran you get Buda Baker who's active and but what that requires against the run is that they have to be really, really sound on technique and gap assignments sure. then they've got they've got to get off the blocks and they got to be able to make plays. So you've talked a lot about 
gap assignments here. And when I look at the middle of the Cardinals defense, uh, Robert Kandichi, Corey Peters, and Josh Bynes are all guys. When you know, when I look at their stat lines, they don't really scare me a whole lot. And I don't know if that kind of comes with the lack of gap discipline. Uh, but Jordan Howard, he's a patient runner between the tackles. And we at the Bears Brothers here, we've been trying to find a way, you know, to see how we can get Trey Burton more involved because he's a very athletic tight end. Uh, and from what I can tell, the middle of the field is going to provide some opportunities, both for Jordan Howard to have a good running day up the middle and for Trey Burton to get a few more catches there. Am I am I wrong to think that, or is the middle of the defense underrated? That, oh, the middle of the defense right now is the weak spot. Uh, they're getting good play up front, and the interior, Corey Peters, very solid. Robert Kandichi has been very productive thus far. Um, not out of this world stats, but he's still much more productive than he's been. In, in, he's been solid. He's getting He's disruptive. Um, the issue has been at the linebacker position. Now, every once in a while, Kandich is a little bit undisciplined. He'll he'll jump out of his gap and spin out of it, trying to make a play, and then something opens up. But uh, I think that the run defense is kind of short up. You know, they 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 played a they had a good game plan against Gurley, but no, the tight ends that's going to be an issue. Um, I think all season until they until they prove that they can cover those guys coming out coming out of uh, coming out of that position at linebacker. All right, so let's look at Chandler Jones real quickly here. Uh, last year, led the NFL 17 sacks. This year, very slow start to the season. Is it the scheme switch, in your opinion, or is there anything else uh, that you think is kind of hindering him right now? He's played two very good left tackles so far. Um, they haven't been, you know, last year they, they moved him around a little bit. They moved it around a little bit. He played, he, you know, he lined up mostly over left tackle, and he, so he pressured from the left side going against the best offensive lineman. He's had two tough assignments. He went up against Trent Williams one of the best in the game, and Andrew Whitworth, another one of the best in the game against Los Angeles. He did get a sack against Washington. He had a couple of pressures, but he was he was stymied. He was stymied. He's, he didn't have a great game against the Rams, and there was a little bit of inconsistency there. I think part of it is, you know, I he played defensive end for the Patriots. He lost some weight, got thinner, leaner, faster, and then become became an elite pass rusher last year. The move back to defensive end, in on in some ways, seems to make sense. And what Steve Wilkes is a hey, what what does he do? He rushes the passer great, so let's always get him running up the field. That makes sense in a way. But what what we saw the last couple of years is his transformation to a three four outside backer, where well, you're rushing the passer most of the time, but you sometimes move. But he was so great on every level. If you, He's so underrated a year ago. It, it, I've, been, I've been pounding the table on this. He led the league in sacks. He led the league in quarterback hits. He led the league in tackles for loss. There was literally no player more disruptive behind the line of scrimmage than Chandler Jones a year ago. You know, talk about Aaron Donald aside. Statistically, no one did more disrupting behind the line of scrimmage than Chandler Jones. That said, he is playing a new scheme. He's having to get down, you know, hand to the dirt more often now, which, which obviously you have to be a little bit more conditioned for. Um, I expect his numbers will be there. I didn't. I didn't expect him to replicate the 17 sack season that he had a season ago. But you know, 13 to 15, I think is kind of what they kind of pegged him for being able to do. And I think he's still on track for that. He just didn't have. He wasn't dominant last week. He hasn't been dominant this year yet. He was productive in week one, and he was stymied in week two. And there's no better way to go about it than that. Jesse, you've done the finally. A bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. 
For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. A real good job of providing a lot of good information for us on this one, but is there anything in this Cardinals team that we haven't touched on yet that you think is important? Uh, well, yes, this is kind of, the truth is there's not been a lot of positives. There's, there's some dames. I mean, they've got some special teams play looked good in week one. Christian Kirk was a dynamic punt returner in college. He's dangerous. Um, didn't really do anything. Well, they didn't really have to, the Rams didn't really have to punt. Um, that's, that's the other thing. If you never like make them punt, then it's never going to happen. Andy Lee, um, is having a great year at punter, but you don't really want your punter to have a great year. Cause that really usually means that you have a terrible team. Um, so you, you look at, this is, this is a team that is going to get lost in the fray really quickly, but I think, I think they'll turn it around. I think based on what the, cause they do have talent on this team. Like it's unmistakable. They've got David Johnson. They've got Larry Fitzgerald. They've got Chandler Jones. They've got Patrick Peterson. You've got Buda Baker. There is, there is great top end talent on this team. And so it's a matter of how quickly can they get things turned around? I'd like to hope that they can do that this week against the bears. Um, Chicago has a formidable defense right now. Um, and so it's going to be tough to do something that way. But I don't think it'll take real long. So as long as the team does this, as long as the season doesn't get too far, as long as it doesn't go too far out of control, they can, I don't think it'll take much for them to be competitive. It just looks awful so far. And sure. so they look like the laughing stock of the league, but the talent is there. And so, you know, I went from, you know, doomsday, this team with the with is should be able to get back into hey we're going to be competitive in games and not browns competitive okay and i don't want to but able to actually win games and look closer to the team like they were up the last couple of years even when they were having disappointing seasons that's the that the over the last several years we you know the cardinals have traditionally been one of the with the terrible teams in the league i've been following the cardinals since i was a kid you know since they came to arizona in 88 you know they had before Ken Wisenhunt, they had one winning season. And that's when they went to the playoffs in 1998. Since um, Ken Hunt became coach in 2007, they've had a 500 year, they had a 97 year, they had a 10 and 6 year. Um, then they had a couple bad years. Then they had uh, 10 and 6, 11 and 5, 13 and 3. And so over the last six years, the bottom has been 7 and 8 wins, which you know, that's kind of spoiled. I mean, if, if you're a bad, if your bad season is seven, eight wins, um, it's not bad. And so this is where we, we hope that things get turned around because we haven't seen a terrible Cardinals team since, since 2012 when they lost 11 of their last 12 games. Yeah. All right. So Jess, I just have a, this is how I end every, you know, meet the opponent episode. It's a two part question. Uh, and usually the second one's the harder one, but for you, I think it's going to be the first one. Uh, why does Arizona win on Sunday? <laughs> well, well, why do they win? Nothing that we've seen says that they will. Okay, why can they win? David Johnson finally gets, so they finally fix the offense and start doing things creatively so David Johnson gets going. If David, David just Johnson gets going, that opens everything else up. And the run defense, 
shored up last week. So between the run defense getting shored up, David Johnson getting good again, getting healthy in terms of he's healthy, but in terms of his production, then that suddenly puts the Cardinals in the right possession. We're in the right position where game in their game plan was stop the run, establish the run. And then from there, Chicago's offense, which is not elite so far, they've got a great defense, but they definitely are far. They're, they're definitely far from perfect on offense. If they, if Cardinals take care of those two things and can create a couple of turnovers, that's how they'll win this game. That and please don't let Khalil Mack kill Sam Bradford. Yeah, that's a good wish to have. Uh, we'll see how that pans out. But uh, <laughs> let's go over to the opposite side of this question, of course, is why does Arizona lose on Sunday and drop to 0-3? Well, this one's pretty easy. They don't run the ball, they don't push the ball down the field, and they don't stop the Bears on third down. And kind of, if they do what they've done the last two weeks, they will not win. Um, um, my the preview that I wrote, I wrote an early preview that's going to show up in in the Sports Weekly in one of the the print editions that USA Today has. The Sports Weekly, I, I predicted on as a Sunday afternoon, the Cardinals would it would end up falling. I think it's going to be twenty to ten. I think I, I predicted, but hey, ten points is an improvement over last week. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> Maybe not ideal, but at least it is improvement. Uh, so, Jess, that's all I typically have, but I have something fun just for uh, S's and G's real quick. Uh, I w- I'm going to give you a player name, and I just want to get one-word response. So I just want to know what your thoughts. Uh, Bobby Massey. Bobby Massey? Incons- physically talented. Oh, I can't give you more one right. So it's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> inconsistent. Physically gifted. Didn't quite get it to... Didn't quite get to where he needed to be. What about Marcus Cooper? Marcus Cooper, uh, flash in the pan. Okay, I like that one. That's a yeah. We have some harsh memories of uh, Marcus Cooper on our end. Week well. one last year, <laughs> he takes it all, takes that interception, and then coughs the ball up. When I saw that, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Marcus Cooper. Yeah, like well, he's not here. Okay. Well, Jess, that's all I have. I really want to know your thoughts on them. How about one more? Mike Glennon. What are your thoughts on him so far? You don't oh, get a lot. I, not, he's, he's the invisible man right now. Mm-hmm. He's, 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 a, he's got the guaranteed spot on the roster without having to do anything. Yep, that sounds about right. Uh, it's better. Trust me, it's better than if you're actually asking him to do much <laughs> of anything. Uh, I know you said earlier in the show that uh, Sam Bradford's been worse. Uh, just look at all the turnovers that Glennon had in those first four games, and I think you would... Uh, you change your mind. But um, <laughs> Jess, that's all we have for you today. I want to thank you, of course, for taking the time to join us. Uh, I know it was painful, but, but to give us that first-hand scouting report of the Arizona Cardinals, I appreciate it. I know Brandon does as well, and all of our listeners you know, all around the world do appreciate this insight too. So, Jess, thank you so much. Thank you. And, of course, everyone who are here watching live on YouTube and everyone who downloaded to listen to this episode, I want to thank you all as well. Don't forget to call in for this next edition of the audio mailbag that Nick and Brandon are going to host on Wednesday. Again, one more time for the phone number, 872-240-4007. All right, so next up is that audio mailbag, but until then, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.